This is a moment in wine and hip hop presented to you by Jermaine Stone, aka the Wolf of Wine. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. You know what it is? Check this out. Oh yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. What's up, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones and drinking wine. I'm with Sarah Thomas. Sarah! Hello! How are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, I have to give you the proper introduction. Author, sommelier... Mogul, like, I mean, you know, I don't even know how to handle this right now. Like, how are you? I'm good. I'm hope, I'm just hoping to leave here with, like, maybe two or three nicknames. So, Mike, and I can add those to <laughs> the interview. We're going to work on it during yeah. the course of this show. Um, <laughs> I think I think that we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some stuff. But, um, yeah, man. I, so, just to give everyone some background, um, connected with Sarah at... A, uh, a wine diversity and inclusion panel and uh, put together by my man Yannick Benjamin um, Wheeling Forward great great organization but like you know I've done the diversity panels and I think that they're always great you know it's just it's great for us to get our stories out there like you get to, to really explain to people how you felt kind of coming up in the ranks but this panel was different, yo. And I don't know, you tell me, but it felt like we all kind of like bonded up there. Like, you know, it yeah. was some, it was something happening in the room. It was a really powerful group of narratives that I think really like, I mean, there, he just, he did such a good job of bringing people from such different angles. There were so many angles represented and that's, that's the key, right? Like you'd think that that would be logical. And on so many diversity panels, it's not, right? It'll be just because of gender or just because of ethnicity. And this right. had like a new mom and business owners and everything. And it was, it was really, it was a great representation. I yeah. Think. And you know, Yannick, he's, um, he's in a wheelchair and you know, he's like one of the most respected sommeliers in New York no City. Doubt. Yeah. So it was just it was I have a lot of respect for him to just having the foresight to put something like that together. And like, you know, even me, I feel like in that situation I would think about when I think about diversity, I just think about what connects with me. Mm-hmm. So you would think that he would assume, you know, what connects with him the most. But he just he spread this shit out, man. It's the guy's special. He's he really special. is. He's doing some, yeah. some amazing shit. Yeah. Um, but you're also very special. Thanks. Arthur and Samoyer, <laughs> like, you know, and it's not like you're writing a wine. You, you didn't write a wine book. You wrote a children's book. What made you uh, go that route? You know, Kalamata's Kitchen is, is really special to me because I grew up in a very... In a, in a very food-focused household, um, and it was always the center of my life, right? I, ex- I really experienced the world through food. Um, and as I grew up, I realized that, like, I'm really lucky. Not a lot of people did that. And, I mean, I loved it. It affected my life to the point that this is my career now, right? Like, right. I'm a, I'm a sommelier. I, I, I love working with food. I love working with wine. I love creating those experiences th- through food and flavor um, for other people. And I just realized so much of that was influenced by my childhood, 
And then, you know, there's there's that immediate connection. And then there's like food is such an opportunity for connection. Mm. And at a time when I think all of us are yearning for more connectivity and like less wall building, um, you know, no it just. Pun. No, 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 pun. The pun's there. <laughs> um, the it. You know, it was it was an opportunity to create a more compassionate, more curious generation of kids that got to experience the world very much the way I did. Mm-hmm. But when you look out at the like sphere of things that parents can do to get their kids to eat well and make right the good choices and be and try things twice, there wasn't anything that was from the kids' perspective. It was all like instructional from the parents' side. So my business partner Derek Wallace actually came up with this idea to connect. Um, all of these ideas that we're talking about uh, to children directly through a character. And so he came to me and said, can you create this character? Can you write mm-hmm. these stories? And for all the things I said before about my own childhood, it was such a natural fit for me to be able to do it. And so the books are the way for children to be introduced to the character. Um, the character is really, it's Kalamata and her uh, sidekick, an alligator named <laughs> Al Dente. Um, <laughs> again, pun intended. An alligator named Al Dente. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, to experience the world through adventures with food. Right. Um, and then it builds out into, um, you know, she can live in so many different spheres. She lives when when families eat out in restaurants. Kalamata has a place there at the table. Mm. Um, you know, she could, there's a lot of lessons to be learned through food, um, a lot of ways that kids can learn how to behave and interact with other people through food, and that's what I wanted wow, to create. Wow, yo, I'm <laughs> blown away right now. I, I get to hang out with some cool fucking people doing this wine <laughs> thing, man. I Like, seriously, that is so cool because, so, I have a, a one-year-old daughter who, <laughs> I told you, reminds me of Kalamata. She does and, um, Kalamata. She has that hair, yes. you know? But um, this is especially cool for me because, uh, you know, getting your children into food, like into food culture, not just eating right, but appreciating food culture. Like that's not something that really happens here in the U.S. a lot. I think that happens in Europe, you know, um, so many other places, but it's not a U.S. thing. Uh, And especially like just like you mentioned, going out to restaurants. I want to tell my son what al dente is early. You know, I'd like to have that space to be able to do that. And I have been watching a lot of Sesame Street recently. Let me tell you. So um, being able to switch it up is is helpful. I'm reading. She's By the time I get home, she'll be asleep. But she's getting this book tomorrow. I'm so she excited. Will, she will hear about this. I'm so excited. Um, no, so that, that's really cool, though. So, But let, let's go a little, uh, talk a little bit about your background. So you grew up in food. You grew up in Pennsylvania. Yes, rural not western so, Pennsylvania. Rural yeah. western Pennsylvania. That's right. Not so much in a in a hip hop or wine space. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> what not were you drinking growing up out there? Milk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean my parents are like great hosts and entertainers, and they always had um, like. You know, my dad like my dad let read Consumer Report to find out like what wine he should buy for parties, right? Like he didn't. It's not because he knew about wine, but he always knew to serve like the best that he could afford for people. So we weren't drinking like (laughs) Burgundy Bordeaux or whatever. But like (laughs) you know, he 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 had this aesthetic of like serve your best to your guests, um, which definitely is like part of me, Um, Mm. and. I was always in charge of, like, drinks at home, which is funny because I always tease them that they, like, unwittingly groomed me for this career, even though they everybody, like, thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, so what does being in charge of drinks look like? 
Like, I mean, we had we had dinner parties all the time, and I just like made sure glasses weren't empty. So you were like mini you know? Sam. I was yeah, <laughs> you know. And I don't think it, no, but not a, that not that many people. We didn't drink. They didn't drink wine as much. Right. There was a lot of like you know Johnny Walker on the rocks and oh, like yeah. gin and tonic and like, so you stuff could like you that, can pretty much make that. a solid uh, stiff drink as well. Yes, I can pour liquor in a glass with the best of them. I love it. No man. problem with right, that. We, we <laughs> gonna, we're going to figure Clearly, you've made a living out of pouring liquor in glasses. So. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> your parents must be so. Well, early. your parents must be so proud, though. Like, I mean, that's crazy. You know, re- very interesting. Did you, um, did you have issues uh, with them like when you wanted to get into wine? Oh, yeah. Did they just, they yeah. weren't really seeing the vision? They didn't get it. They <laughs> thought this was like a phase and it was. I mean, I think I thought it was a phase two. I was doing it on the side. I'd come back from grad school. I was doing a post back for medicine. Like, I was, I was, I was bartending like while I was doing stuff for my post back. And I, and eventually, I realized it wasn't a phase. I was like scared to tell them. <laughs> I had to tell them eventually, and they were like, "This is not what." What are you doing? Like, you've gone to so much school. What are you doing? Like, why? Yeah. I mean, I think, like, now they totally get it. They're very proud. I think it helped, like, when they could Google Eric Repair. <laughs> you know, like, that was really, that was big for them. They're like, oh, point. people know about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It's a real thing. Just yeah. not a friend. Got you. Yeah. Um, we got a toast, though. And um, so today, Sarah brought the wine. I bought the rhymes. Um, let's let's toast it up. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having. Uh, and what what did you bring on today? I brought a Mikulski Merceau, 2017. Yeah, I gotta see this 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 bottle. It's all it's this so dope. It's so us. So crazy and so good. Um, it's funny because I remember the first time we got this um, in the cellar at La Burden, I had never seen a burgundy label that looked like that. I don't, and that's frankly because I just don't like. They don't really exist. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you're talking about coming from a place with like hundreds of years of tradition, um, and this is a, a guy with a Polish last name on some of the most expensive real estate in the world, making a really classic, really beautiful style of wine. And I remember the reactions of people who would like see it on the list and be like, excuse me, what is this? Um, And then, and they'd see the bottle and they'd be like, no. Um, (laughs) But then they'd taste it and it's just, you've tasted it now. Like it's undeniably belongs in the upper echelons of, like it belongs on the exact same page as all the Burgundy that people know. No, like right away you taste it, it puts you in Burgundy. Like straight away, just... It, it, it's it's perfect. It has a real purity to it. I mean, it's it's beautifully made wine. Definitely perfect for right now. Also, yeah. um, <clears throat> but let's uh, so let's get back a little bit about you know you getting into wine yeah. and how much your parents loved this, uh, <laughs> this career choice that you were making. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're you're, pa- you're uh, from Pennsylvania, but your parents are from India. Correct. Right. What what part of India? They're both from Kerala, so that's the south southwestern part of India. So I'm guessing um, you didn't get a lot of wine, <laughs> kind of growing up. They weren't like pushing Burgundy on oh, you. Oh no, and, yeah, no, they you know, not a, not <laughs> no. a ton of wine. Again, super now, generous so. with what they poured for people, but they didn't. I mean, they they didn't know like, <laughs> a lot about wine. Right, right. So what was that like for you um, transitioning into you know making wine your career? Like at what point? Did you say, I want to be a sommelier? Not just a sommelier. You're on the track to becoming a master sommelier. <laughs> we'll see. You will. You will. I'm with you. Like, that's just, you know, it's just emotions. But, 
you know, you're on that track, though. So, like, how did that start? Why did you say this is what I wanted to commit myself to? It's it's easy for me to say in hindsight, but at the time I didn't see it this clearly. But, you know, I can walk you through it. Essentially, um, honestly, a friend of mine asked if I would, like, help them out at their restaurant because he, like, loved wine, had a great palate, knew a ton about wine, and, like, and I knew nothing. Um, and re- he really introduced me to... Um, to like great wine and wine with stories behind them. And I, and he was like, I just don't really want to do this dinner. Like, do you, can I like pay you under the table and will you come and just like talk <laughs> about these wines? I know you can learn about them. So I, not knowing anything, wow. I would like study the wines and I had like no context. I'm sure the stuff that I told these people about the wines was like extremely stupid, right? Like I don't remember <laughs> what I said, but I bet it was like, did you guys know this is like limestone is a big deal? You know, like I, I have no idea what I said, but I was really excited to say it. Um, and um, and so I think when I look back at it, what really attracted to me me to wine was the fact that it had a, everything that this guy was pouring had a story behind it. Um, and then I realized there was so much to learn about every single bottle, mm. about every part of the world. I came from a, um, my master's was in Renaissance English literature, and I immediately was just like, oh, there's like poetry in this, and there's history. And, and then also I have this like sort of, I, I really did enjoy all that I was studying to be a doctor as well. And I was like, there's an endless amount of biology, chemistry, geology, and geography that goes into this as well. Like it was, it, it became a nexus of everything that I really loved studying. And when I realized that this could be as academic a pursuit as anything I'd already tried to do, Mm. um, that was it for me. I was like, I can make this as – like, this is as noble a pursuit (laughs) because I can study it, which is a backwards way of thinking about it, I think. But that's how I felt at the time. No, and, you know, I don't even think – like, you approached the challenge. Like, you – you wanted to go down the wormhole. Like, you know, like – and that, that, to me, that's what wine is really all about. It's just – understanding that there's this thing that's really fun, it's great to enjoy, but you will never know everything about it. And like the fun is just feeling. trying to learn as much as possible. Like it's all you're always on a journey. It's always the journey. I loved I mean what I loved about academia and what I love about wine was just constantly knowing how much I would never know. Like I loved it. I love that feeling. See, of being like in awe of a body of knowledge. That's scary to me. I want to know everything. <laughs> I mean, of course, I want to know everything. I'm just like, you're never going to know everything. You, you, you just won't know. You'll never know. <laughs> so, and now, what was your first, um, like, job in wine? Um, doing, I guess, like, I was a bartender um, at a restaurant where they took their wine program pretty seriously. But I didn't know enough about wine to say that I was, like, really, I wasn't really, like, in wine service. I was just bartending. Right. And, like... I gave the wines that someone told me to pair with meal with the meals. Um, I would say that my first job in wine was when that friend was like, "I please just <laughs> say some stuff because I don't want to face these people." <laughs> and then, so what was that transition like? Because you went from like, "I, you know, I'm knowing, I, I know enough about this to be conversational and introduce people to things," but when was it like, "All right, I am on my career path." Um, that's a great question. Um, I think that I, I don't know. I, I really don't know like when that switch happened. I think if I had like pulled out a calendar of my work with that restaurant, I could maybe find it, but like, yeah. it wasn't clear. Um, truly, I, I, I think it came down to like, I had to choose whether I was going to sit for the MCAT or, 
Oh, that's what it was. Honestly, it was like I had to. <laughs> yeah, I had to like decide whether I was going to take the MCAT or not. And I was like, hmm, okay, I'm not going to take the MCAT. Like, so what do I do? And then I realized that there was like a whole other set of tests I could take, and that's how I got into the court. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I can take this test instead. Um, like maybe my parents won't notice. Right. Um, <laughs> right. It was honestly, it was something like that. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. And. Uh, yeah, but I really, I just, I, re, I didn't know how much I would love. There was a time when I thought I'd want to be a professor. Um, and that's another thing that got tied into this is that I didn't, re, until I became a bartender, I didn't realize how much I loved sharing the knowledge that I was at that time just acquiring with mm. people. I was really genuinely excited to tell people that, like, stuff that they'd, people were so patient with me, like, in hindsight. <laughs> like, I'm sure they knew a lot of the stuff I was excited about. But I was excited to share it, and people were really gracious and and generous. That's the me. that's the fun part of, part about all of this, you know, yeah. I, I tell you. But you ended up like working with some of the most prestigious wine places like literally in the world. Yeah. You know, like La Bernardin and um, you know, Aldo San Wine Bar. Like that's legendary. Um, what was your transition like going into those spaces? It was really hard. It I can really, imagine really like you got to be on your like full This is not Hey, come hang out and have a couple glasses. This is like, this is the big show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the NBA yeah. finals of hey. wine right now. Yeah, and then you this know, may, may come as a surprise to some, but Pittsburgh was not really like a mecca of like nah, fine wine, fine dining at, at the time. And, you but. know, I also feel like there probably wasn't a lot of like brown women serving people wine and helping them. You know, like there wasn't, there weren't a lot of sommeliers that looked like you. So. It also, that in itself, like, you really approached the world in a way that very few people did. <laughs> I did. I did, like, I did always have a tendency to find, like, the top and be like, well, I'm just going to do that. Yeah. You know, like, same with, like, grad school. I was like, it never, like, occurred to me to apply anywhere other than where I went, right? Because I was like, well, I'm just going to go there. Right. And, um, and I did. And then it was the same with, like, I didn't, I didn't, I will say I never thought that I would get a job at, I met Aldo by accident. Mm. Um, Did you know about it before you started working there? Of course, I knew what the restaurant was, and I knew right. who, I knew who Aldo was, and I was really intimidated when I met him. Um, and he, I was never intending to move to New York. Right. I moved to New York because he offered me a job. Wow. Um, At that time, you were still in Pennsylvania. I was still living in Pittsburgh, wow. and I came to visit actually because of another friend of the show, I believe. Um, I had cold emailed Dustin Wilson. Dustin! Who at, yeah, who was at EMP at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm nobody. Can you please tell me about my career? Like, I just... <laughs> Why I had, Dustin? What made you email him? the Psalm movie. The Psalm... <laughs> yo, Psalm... Oh, 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 we forgot one thing. We forgot one thing in her intro. We forgot Star of Psalm oh. 3. <laughs> I don't know about Star, but I'm in it. <laughs> Look, you had a cameo. Yeah. You had you had a, a solid cameo. Now, <laughs> did you know that you were going to be in the movie? Like, you walked in like, yo, what's going on? What was that like? Like, oh my God. what happened? So Dustin calls you. He's like, yo, pull up at the store. We got some shit going on. He, maybe he didn't say that, but it was along like those that. lines. Yeah, yeah, no, it was something. No, I, I knew it was. He said something about filming for this on movie, and I just assumed that it was going to be like, like I was going to be like in some B roll in the background, like <laughs> picking a bottle of wine or something. And then I, then I looked at like the other people CC'd on the email, and it was like. Aldo, Pascaline, Sabato, like, uh, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, here? oh, God, like, is this going to be, 
is like why am I on this list? Because <laughs> mm. these are people that I are like mentors of mine. Right. Um, and so then like my wheels are going. I'm like, oh no, maybe I'm gonna be like. Maybe they're gonna like make me blind taste. Like I don't know what this is. He probably just has me walking around pouring. Maybe I'm just pouring like for them. Yeah, that's I. That is genuinely what I thought was gonna yeah. happen. And then I walk in and we're all blind tasting together. And I was Seat like, at the this table, is literally harrowing. Bing, <laughs> yo. And Psalm Three is on Netflix now, right? No, it's Hulu. on Hulu. It's on, it's on Hulu. Hulu. So check it out, yeah. But look, I, I we need to have this book autographed, by the way. <laughs> of course. And um, I might ask you to autograph a bottle for me too. Now you. No, I'm going um, <laughs> to ask you got to autograph my iPhone. I'll I'm sign whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> I'll sign anything. I have a rainbow pencil. <laughs> nah, but that that's like, you know, what? <laughs> so you get to the tasting <laughs> and you're now going through this. Because I feel like you were like calm, cool, collected. So glad I came up with When I'm on TV, I'm like. Looking around, you're going to know that I'm aware the cameras are there. Like, was that a little awkward for you? Yeah, I'd never been on, I'd never been on camera before. <laughs> you like, did. It was you really you look great. You look, Thank you. You were so professional. Thanks. I was really, I was, I feel like if I did it again, I may have tried to be more vocal about what I was thinking, but I was really nervous, right? Like, I was right. tasting in front of the best sommeliers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to listen more. You know, I, wa- I was curious. I was, I would, you know, I, I wanted to take a lot from it too. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I came off calm because I was sitting there like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to back, go throw up real fast. It's, <laughs> it's red. <laughs> what? A, <laughs> your blonde tasting, like that's all you got? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's red wine. Yeah, that's you know yeah. when you you know when you're in those situ you've been in that situation though where like you just go blank for a minute. I'm terrible I, with that. Every there I, I I did it did work out in my favor that I knew all those people though because like I've tasted with them I've tasted with most of them more than once and so I was just like oh this is it's this is fine but the cameras were on yeah as soon as we walked in the door. So there was no, like, reaction. Like, me, my reaction of me, like, taking my coat off and being like... What? That was very much how I was feeling. Like, being let like, me run oh, to no. the bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, that that is that is pretty cool, I have to say. Now, I was impressed by the, um, the group that he put together, though, because, you know, I'm out here, I'm in New York, and we know, like, uh, which sommeliers are, are, you know, we know the huge respected psalms. And, like, just to get that group together to hear a uh, their opinion on wine, like, that was a lot. You know, that that was pretty cool and significant. And I mean, I think that the movie's making waves the same way as Psalm mm-hmm. 1. Like, does it ever bug you out that you were inspired to become a sommelier watching Psalm? Totally. And then you were in Psalm 3. Oh, my gosh. I still don't believe it sometimes. It's like I really being don't. to Rock Nation. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I know. I, I Yeah, of course. It, I, I mean, to be completely honest with you, it blows my mind every day that I get to do anything that I get to do. I feel really humbled by the fact that I get to do what I do. And somehow people like... like I, I don't know. Like I I'm I feel like I belong in the places that I'm in, but I'm still like very surprised that I'm there. You know, because yeah. it just feels it feels very serendipitous. It feels like all of it, you know, it 
it came around in a way that like obviously I worked for these things, but I I received a lot of goodwill from the universe. I think, um, yeah, and I am really grateful for it. I mean, <laughs> I think that it um, it shows that you're passionate about what you do. You're really interested in it, and you have a like you you have a a certain perspective of like why it's important to you, and I think that like with wine, with music, with any art, trying to convey your passion is what's going to help you grow, always. And I think that you do that pretty well. Thanks. Um, but, yo, what is it, T? I feel like there's so many sommeliers that are writers. That's interesting. Like, that's... They kind of have to be poetic in, in a way when they explain to a customer or someone, uh, you know, about wine and where it's from and stuff. So kind of storytellers. Yeah. yeah. I think you are, you're, you know, you're, I don't know if I can speak for like all some ways who are also writers, but like I do feel like there is an element of, as you said, storytelling involved. Um, but also like a lot of people come into this industry from really different backgrounds, right? Like Very, yeah. a lot of them probably did something else first and like the same way I did sort of fell into it. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, you reach a certain point in your career and um, I think a current conversation is going on is like, what do you do at like when you get really good at your job as a som, like do you become is the only what's the next step? Like do you become a beverage director? Do you, you know, start trying to make your own wine? Like what do you do? There's there's a there aren't like a ton of very obvious options yeah. Um, yeah. for upward mobility, I think, like within the within the field. And so people have to start trying to create their own spaces. Um, because, you know, like what what else are you gonna do? Like you can't yes. it's very hard to stay on the floor for for years and years and years I my boss has done it and I like can't yeah. believe it sometimes right he's amazing um, but you have to not everybody can do that yeah I got a lot of respect like Robert Boer be on the floor man like you go and Charlie Roberts on the floor yeah. like damn like for real that the um, you know the satisfaction in hospitality is it's, crazy it's really incredible. It, is, it is definitely a thing well and you have Aldo I mean literally like doing service at the yeah, event like wears like wears the, the same uniform as me and like Every takes day. tables you know Pascaline um, at Racine I mean like she's working right yeah. she's a master so many she's one of the most well respected people in the industry and mm. the to me the value of having people like that still being on the floor is like is immense right like you you have the opportunity to learn from the literally the best in the world by visiting either of these places and they can they could realistically just like be the person that serves you one hunt they they will be it's amazing it's, amazing. <laughs> it's such a, it's an amazing no, it, thing it, it's true though but i think that it also helps to um to keep the respect for the game you know i um Especially in the era that we're in right now, so many people want to be sommeliers for the wrong reasons. You know, there's that, like, you'll find a lot of clout chasers in the wine game. So many, like, you got these motherfuckers posting bottles that they not drinking. <laughs> I know you just worked there, motherfucker. Don't front with me. I know you just worked there. There, yeah. I'm not calling out no names neither, but there's some people. That I know for a fact you are not drinking that. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you just be in the same room with this shit. Like that happens. That is a real part of our industry right now. There's a lot of cloud chasers. So I think that for people like that, it just to help it helps to bring it back to like, yo, check this out. This is really a love, you know, because it is a hard job. Yeah. I don't I'm 35. I ain't got the knees for it. 
don't. You know what it's like when you come home at the end of the night? I can't imagine. Oh, the pain is so serious. It's, I feel it worse the next day, actually. Yeah. You come home, you've been on your feet for whatever, however yes. many hours, and like you wake up and you're like, I, I can't. When it, when it sets in, <laughs> you got a good like masseuse situation. How old am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we're going to get into some hip hop in a second. Okay. I got I to gotta help my, my rap people understand who you are. Okay. Um, I know that you're like a big hip hop head. Mm-hmm. I heard I heard the rumors. <laughs> you know, I, I know how big hip hop was in, in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, There's <laughs> just no way to make that sound convincing. No way. Yo, you never know. You never know. Um, but if you had to pick, and there's no wrong a- answer to this question, it could be anybody. If you had to pick, what what would you say is your rap spirit animal? You know, what rapper do you think embodies your energy? Riz. Riz Ahmed. Riz MC. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> people, check, check out Sweatshop Boys. Yo, this happens. And I, I love doing this show for this reason. It's, like, just fun to talk to people about wine and hip-hop. Because you don't just get introduced to new wines get introduced to new hip-hop and just like wine i am a forever student of hip-hop like there's so many now when with hip-hop being as big as it is there's so many different perspectives like we had a show a few weeks ago with um jackie summers Mm -hmm. and he put me on to um this girl named aquafina um asian girl she's fire i i didn't even see crazy rich asians i didn't know you know, and he taught. We talked about it at night, and he played. He's like, "Yeah, it's this small Asian girl." I'm like, "All right, she's a rapper. I like her music." I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." Yo, she's so Brooklyn. <laughs> she is so Brooklyn, you know. But and and now I'm a fan. I've downloaded her, all, all her albums, and I think that this was another one of those moments with so Sweatshop bad. Boys, you know. But Riz specifically also has an interesting um, just background in show business overall. He was in that, that HBO joint. That, yeah, he's um, like a legit movie star now. He is a like, movie star. He's I knew a rapper. Him. He's before, a rapper. Yeah. Was he, he was a rapper first. Yeah. I So I watched this movie. Um, pardon me, this this uh, show. You guys should check it out. Um, what is it called? Um, the Night Of? Sorry. Yeah, The yeah. Night Of. Was the on Night HBO. Of on HBO. I was taken by that shit, man. It's crazy. It's about this guy that, um, you know, mistaken identity. He's arrested and he goes to Rikers. Like, and I'm telling, I don't know, man. That 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 shit was so authentic. I know some people that have been in and out of Rikers. It, that shit's real. Like, but they did a perfect job, and he did such a great job because hit the way that his character developed. He started in one place. And ended in another. That shit was crazy. But he he had such a standout role. I thought he was yeah. a, a dynamic guy. But he could rap. Yeah. And he can like <laughs> really rap. I'm in the galaxy far away. Breezy take his time, usually right, just one bar a day. Fresh back on the boat, I'm like the brown markers got a vape. Chat to Persian girls like bomb on cafe. And you know, it, it's just so different because He's rapping from the perspective of who he was, like, after, <laughs> like, in the end of it. Like, that was what I got. But um, thank you for putting me on to him. Gosh, I'm, like, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> now, why why, why do they resonate with you like that? Well, I mean, like I told you, I didn't grow up listening to hip-hop. I didn't grow up listening to rap. Um, I 
But I think like everybody, when you think about the music that influenced you when you were like forming yourself, right. you resonated with something, right? And like I listened to a lot of like weird, <laughs> like lonely people songs, right? Like I loved Radiohead and Tom right, York, and right. like, um, and and you find you latch onto a thing that like speaks to you, and it's like this person understands what I'm going through, right? That's really important. Um, until I heard, and my little brother is actually the one that like. Turned me on to all of this. What's your little brother's name? Joey. Well, he's, Joe. oh, sorry, Joe. Joe. I call him Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we got to give Joe a proper <laughs> shout out. We, yeah. like, we like to give people a proper I mean, I think really the, the truth here is that Riz is Joe's spirit animal, and got I'm just stealing it because we're very similar. You. Okay, <laughs> but, okay, man. Look, it's all good. It worked. But, but when, I, when I heard that album and when I heard a lot of those songs, I was like, oh my God, we've literally lived this. Um, and I mean, obviously, like, the music is, it's good music, it's entertaining. Um, and what I really loved about that album is that like they are just he and, and he's also from Das Racist right he he's from Queens Mitchell and S plus Jordans on my feet 2003 selling rocks on the street I was selling drugs and the cops came and shot me the NYPD ain't nothing but Nazis I was at the mosque and the feds came and shot me stop selling drugs but they still trying to stop me yeah I had crack in the stairwell then I found God in a jail cell. Yankee had the kufi on top. Still dealing with these goofy ass cops. Cause I like Islam, they think I build bombs. I would quit, but too bad, cause I is strong. Like they were just speaking to their own experience, being um, the um, children um, of immigrants, um, living in a place which they love, right? Like Hames loves the USA. Right. And and Riz loves uh, the UK. And they are both part of a demographic that like doesn't always want them there and doesn't understand them and also doesn't see them as genuine citizens of the place where they live. Right. And I really resonated with that, right? Because like I was born in this country and it's been a recurring theme in my life that like I don't get to know as a first gen immigrant, um, like a kid of immigrants, like you don't always know where you belong. Right. And a lot of times other people assign that identity to you without ever asking how you actually feel. Like, are you Indian? Are you American? No, I'm both. Right. But other people often just assign a, a label to me without ever asking. And so when I heard that, I was like, you have genuinely, seamlessly integrated your identity, right? There aren't two identities. It's not you as an immigrant child and you as a, a child of New York or London. Right. This is just you. And your experience in your life has just has spoken to this. And the thing is, a lot of those experiences are shared experiences, right? Yeah. Like the stuff about the TSA. Yeah. Is super familiar. Well, the hipsters ain't even safe. Yeah, <laughs> hipsters even safe. You gotta be careful with part of your face you shave. Like oh it's it's really real. My little brother is a is a, a thin brown dude with a sometimes scraggly scraggly beard. And right. he has issues. Yo. You know? He has issues walking through the world. And he was born in Somerset, Pennsylvania. Mm. So <laughs> it's wild. So that, um, and I, I, I actually liked, um, you know, I liked Aquafina for the same reason. Because, yeah. so, you know, hip-hop came from, like, the areas that I grew up in. I was so comfortable with everything that they were talking about. The same way that, you know, you're mentioning there's people talking about your struggle that you were able to connect with, that's what hip-hop did. And I think that, for me... And I think that hip hop has really gained its fame by being the um, the the voice of an oppressed people. Mm -hmm. You know, like you wouldn't be able to hear 
a thug's deepest inner, innermost thoughts <laughs> if it wasn't like him spilling it out on a beat you know this is poetry I had my pops inside my life, but right now that shit don't matter. He been locked up most of my life, so I feel just like a bastard. Police kicking in my dough, threw my mama on the floor. HPD took my pops, I bought a heat, hit the block. I was in them streets like speed bump piles, V12 Auto, 4 G Auto. Lenciaga, no red bottoms, I don't rock no Ferragamas. I was Maxo, Creamio, Chapo, Dodge, and Knockoffs, get you knocked off. Black Suburban, Swerving, make me nervous when I'm making drop-offs. And um, for a lot of other cultures. Cultures, though, like hip hop, hip hop, like told people these things for the mm-hmm. first time and helped people help understand these stories for the first time. So, for hip hop to still be doing that to me through other cultures, that shit's amazing. And you know, these guys 100% articulated exactly the sorts of things that we're talking about, the sorts of um, issues that uh, brown people face coming up in the U.S. and you know, in places like the U.K. like. I mean, it's insane, but they're like dope rappers. They're incredible rappers, you know, right? and they're that, just really good at the and, genre and too. To me, like that's what matters. Like anybody can like tell you something interesting, but can you be poetic with it? Like, yeah. and these dudes are fucking rapping. There's a lot of things that I just didn't realize, didn't think of, um, but that's what hip hop does. So, you know. I know you mentioned, like, yo, I don't know a lot about hip-hop, but, yo, you just fucking knocked it out the park. <laughs> like, you really knocked it out of the park, and you put me onto some shit. I'm so glad. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm so glad. I mean, I, I know that a lot of um, Indian kids growing up in the United States really, like, connected with black rappers, right? Like, that was, that was they were, like, icons in music for and heroes for, like, a lot of Indian kids. It wasn't my upbringing, right. but I know that that's, like, a huge part of the first-gen, like, Indian culture is, yeah. like, your icons in the music industry were definitely rappers. And I think part of it is that, like, we grew up in a culture that is, like, be kind of, be quiet. Like, just be quiet. Like, you are, you have the privilege of being a model minority and just, like, go with that. That's better than, like... Yeah. And, and, you know, and you, you feel a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, anger that gets pent up behind that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I've I've now read a lot of really interesting um, perspectives on that from um, first-gen Indian people who were, like, I loved hip-hop because I felt like these people were telling their truths and, like, telling their stories and being authentic about their experiences in a way that I can't. And this mm. is iconic. That's dope. And I and I loved that. I mean, I wish in a lot of ways that I'd had a. I wish someone had introduced me to it earlier. Like maybe I would have been like, you know what? I'm not going to be so quiet about it. <laughs> but well, I look, was. I was very quiet. You you uh you're setting some trends right now. I mean, <laughs> yo, you know what though? You might not realize it, but you're inspiring a lot of people. Also, I think that you know, for people like us to be jumping out there and doing what we're doing on a level that we are and. 100% being respected by our peers, genuinely contributing something to this industry that didn't exist, that's a big deal, yo. You about to be the big homie. And, like, you know, are you are you prepared to be the big homie? Like, I think Al Dente is about to be, be the big homie, this is, not this me. Is but we'll see. This is true. Um I want to get into this also a little bit more. I do want to. I wanted to go through my pairing for this. Um, I went with a new artist, and um, I did this because you know, like you put me on to some shit, and I don't ever want to pick a pairing that my guest is going to feel like you know 
if if you're going my fault. If you like a certain type of music, I'm not gonna come in with some left field super hardcore shit. Sure. Like I think it is actually bullshit that um Sweatshop Boy is on Apple Music. They're categorized as electronic. Really? They are. I don't know That's why. So weird. They are not electronic no. at all. They're they're rappers and they focus on the bars. Um, so I went with this guy, uh, YBN Corday, young dude. He's like 21, something like that. But um, he reminded me of this wine. We'll get into why in a little bit. But um, just sonically, I felt like he was on the same uh, wavelength as Sweatshop Boys. So we're going to get into this YBN Corday. Uh, and the name of the song is Lost and Found off the album Lost Boy. That I just bought for my mom. Celebration makes a rock and a lime. Rest in peace, extra pocket is time. Was manifested, can't stop the divine. Niggas speaking like Barack in his prime. But I'm Bill Clan with these ill wetters. Make the real listen. See him on the color went ski in the hill stripping. Hours later, call me Mike Jones. I'm still tipping. Call up Scotty with a shotty cause I feel pippin'. I'm a real fresh prince, Uncle Phil. Listen. And tell Will Smith how I kill shit And to please adopt a young nigga Man, I'm trying to get real rich Now I'm playing Shout out to Jaden So iconic how I go Super Saiyan New bitch foreign straight Alright, we live, we back, y'all This was a, a fun break I feel like so much has happened It's a busy world So much has happened uh, We were just about to talk about our pairing And um, I feel great about this One and you didn't even know this, but Burgundy is my favorite region. Um, I feel like you enjoy Burgundy as well. I do. Uh, I do. They just do it right, spoiled. man. Uh, yes. <laughs> I feel. Is it? Do you? Would you say it's a privilege to drink Burgundy? Of yeah. I mean, yes. I can't. Mm. I don't drink this like daily. It's not. It's not. Kidding the, it's me? Not I, the house I wish. One. No. <laughs> kidding me? I feel extremely lucky to get the taste that I get the taste, and I'm really aware of the fact that I've. There are very few places on the planet that you would be able to taste the best of Burgundy on a regular basis. It's not not normal. So um, (laughs) there are a few different levels to Burgundy. Yeah. Um, So what do we got? We got the village level. We got Premier Crew and we have Grand Crew. Exactly. Now, um, how would you explain to a novice? Like, how would you explain what the difference between all those um, areas are? Well, in Burgundy's, it's, it's in Burgundy's generally pretty specific. Um, it has a lot to do with the land itself, the um, the way that the land is oriented. It's a pretty marginal climate for a lot of the year so um a long time ago people who were devoted to agriculture and they happened to be monks most of the time they noticed where fruit ripened earliest and best they started to demarcate that land um and when you and these villages were you know they are winemaking villages um and so the basic regional appellation tend to be the vineyards that are just sort of around the areas um the best vineyards um tend to be represented on the slope it's like the coat of Burgundy mm-hmm. um, and at different parts of that slope and with different aspects in terms of like which direction they face. You'll have the different sort of striations of village, premier crew, grand crew. Mm. Bing. Levels for this <laughs> shit, yeah. <laughs> levels. But this is just like you can really taste the essence of Burgundy in this. Um, so I, 
I went with uh, so this producer is also um, pretty interesting because originally he wasn't from Burgundy. Like he kind of like kind of like married into Burgundy. Yeah, his father was <laughs> it, Polish. Like was part of like the Polish resistance. Right, like right. Yeah. But he came in and really like was able to capture the essence of Burgundy. It was com- kind of almost like. You know, you didn't really expect that to happen. And even when you talked about why this wine was special to you and, you know, people having one assumption and not thinking that this could really capture the essence in the same way and tasting like, oh, shit. Um, so I went with this uh, with the YBN Corday record. Um, I had a similar experience earlier um, this week. No, it was like last week. Talking to my man, Jerome. Uh arguments about music as always like that's what we do jerome's also a, a big part of this show but we were talking about it and he was putting me on to this dude ybn corday and honestly like all the ybn yfl there's like all these different like fucking names you know i don't i just, just to let you know that they're associated with that specific group yeah you know it's just and this is sad but like that wasn't how I came up. That wasn't how it was when I, like, rappers had their own name. <laughs> like, that was it. Like, sometimes you have the YFN person that's not even connected to the YHU, whatever. But, you know, I was... <laughs> like, yeah, so, you, so, you, so you're saying from, like, somebody, like, the, the main guy, the YN, whoever, Lucci, yeah. Then there's like a six men. Yeah. Well, oh, there's, there's somebody from a whole nother different crew and they just have. But like, you know, I didn't expect much when I saw the guy's name because I've been hearing about him for a minute and I didn't expect much. But um, dude dropped this album, Lost Boy. And I'm like, huh, okay, that's an interesting title. I'm a big fan of Mr. Cheeks and the Lost Boys, another group that I'm going to include on the playlist that we send you after the show. I'm pretty excited. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I I thought that that was interesting, and it kind of showed me that, you know, he has some type of reverence for history, and, you know, he knew that people would get to play on words. But also, um, this guy's just really good. And... I did not expect anything from this album. Yo, but this guy has so much depth. The song's amazing. Um, The writing is great. He can sing. He can rap. I don't love all the sing-rap shit, but I think that he has a strong enough line between the two that I can respect it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he really does capture the essence of hip-hop. And also, um, you know, introduces something new, something refreshing. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything on his album is bright, is deep, is real. He's talking about something. Um, so I fucks with it. So just in that, in that <laughs> look, man. Look, yo, Terrence, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. Look, listen, you're going to get what you're going to get, man. Welcome to Wine and Hip Hop. This is Jermaine Stone. Great to meet me. You know what I'm Like, well, this is this is who it is, all right? Um, but it... Like, Pete Wasserman listening to the episode, bro. I want you to Yo, shout out to my man Pete. I'm going to email Pete. Pete is coming on the next show. Watch, that's next season. Um, <laughs> you going to play classical music? Pete, yo... His wife's Jamaican. You didn't even know, right? His wife might be my cousin. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? We were talking about that. I'm like, we might be related in some way. No, I'm going I'm to get him on the show. I'm going to get him on. That's true, that would be dope. <laughs> Yo, Pete, don't front when I hit you, man. Um, no, but I, I just, I, I felt like, you know, I felt the same way about this artist as you did about this wine. So I thought it would be cool to share it here. Um, and this is why we do wine and hip hop. This is the awesome. pairing that I saw fit. And this, the, the wine is also like so bright and vibrant. Like I know that in like two, three years, it's probably just going to get better, <laughs> you yeah, know? But it's just, it's, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm here now. And I thank you for the introduction. Of course. I've seen it, though, and I've wanted to try it, but I've been a little bit shook. I'm like, all right, are they going to hit me with some millennial shit? It's, Is it going to be like... You know what? It's totally fair. Like, you see, you're you about to, like, drop some cash yeah. on Burgundy. Like, it's, it's not... Burgundy's expensive. That's why it's not, like, my everyday wine, right? Yeah. So, of course, when you're going to be spending in that category mm-hmm. and, like, you see a label that you're like, I, I mean... <laughs> is this some millennial bullshit? Like, I don't know. But you know what's really cool about them is that, like, they, because he he and his wife, who also, like, helps make the wine, like, they they didn't have the, like, generations of tradition telling them exactly what they had to do. And in that way, like, in a very traditional place, and with a really classic expression of the wine, they were able to, like, really self-express in a way that's very unique for the area. But also established that like they definitely belong in those upper echelons, which Absolutely. I feel is like a metaphor for our wine lives. Yeah, you and I. <laughs> yo, you know, I was just thinking that I'm like, like, damn, that's, really? Uh, yeah, that We're is very. To be where we that are, is, but it's surprising true. sometimes. That's wild. Um, so if you did not uh, become a sommelier, you feel like you just would have been a doctor. Like that just would have been what it is. I think I would have been a doctor. I think I would have been a pediatrician. Um, mm. That was like what I I saw myself doing. You might have still uh, wrote a children's book. I mean, maybe <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't know just saying. Stamp the creative juices out of me. But we'll I, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it's a. I don't know. I have but no idea. You know what's funny though? Like to become a doctor, you really have to learn probably just as much shit <laughs> as you do to become a master sommelier. Well, like more, and it's arguably always more important. Like I'm not yeah, saving well, lives yes. with yeah. my wine knowledge. No, you never know. <laughs> Look, wine saved my life. You know what I'm saying? Like T knew me before the wine game. I think that wine definitely uh, saved my life in, in one way or the other. I love it. But no, I mean, there's so much, there's so many details here. Like, to be able to, like, I mean, And it's this... also a product that I think, like, similar to everything that I studied. Say, so, like, take, for example, like, metaphysical poetry or whatever. Mm. Um, and then you put up against it, like, a great bottle of wine. And then you put up against it, like, a, a rap song that has, like, spoken to you your entire life. What you have in all of these cases is a work of art that is the amalgamation of so many different things and every line of the poetry and every line of the song and every aspect of this wine and its creation and their creations, you have influences from the artist that have created a narrative that you as the consumer can dive into at any level. You can just listen to that song, read that poem, or drink this bottle of wine at any level of enjoyment, and that's what's amazing about it is that those levels exist. You get to experience them in the way that you choose to do it Mm. because it's there. The layers are there. The levels are there for you to dig into. Dope, dope. Damn, man. 
I have like a hundred more questions, but I don't want you to be here. Come forever. at me. <laughs> no, I, I feel like we didn't really talk about like um, diversity in wine. Uh, well, we can like kind of section this different, but and I, I'm not gonna take up all your time. But we still have wine. Good. Yeah, you know what? That's how we should do this. The show's done when the bottle is. <laughs> Bring a Balthazar. Your friends are bringing jerk bombs. Roll, so roll up like with a salamander <laughs> on a on a on a hand truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you should pull up at parties like that. That's how that's how I'm pulling up. That's how I think that's how I'm gonna start pulling up. No, yo, so we about to have um this every week uh wine experience happening in Harlem. I think I'm pulling up to the first one with a salamander. Why wouldn't you? I should. Give me like a compelling reason why you wouldn't. That's how, you know, I can't think of many, actually. Then. Can't think of many. No compelling <laughs> you know ones. You have to do. Boring ones, but not. With a name like Real Wolf of Wine, man, you got to really start pulling out all the stops, man. You I got to come through with some really shit. Big Meats came to the club with helicopters and a giraffe. You don't got to do that, but... You, know what I mean? you pull up to a wine tasting with the giraffe, that would be hard. I mean, that's pretty That would be... No one's focused on the wine. Like, yo, this dude used to come to wine tastings in a helicopter. Like, they would talk about me the way they... I want to be the you big meacher of wine. I want to be. I think we can. But um, we, we connected on the diversity panel. Yes. Right? And for me, it was um, it was very helpful to hear that other people kind of had a lot of the same feelings that I had from very different perspectives that I wouldn't even thought about. But, um, like, you probably dealt with so much shit, like, just as a female. You know, I didn't have to also deal with, like, the female aspect of it. Like, what were, what were some of the, the hurdles that you had to, like, jump over to really to, to get where you are? I mean, I think, like, any member of any minority group has to jump through like it's just harder in in so many ways like for specific hurdles like I don't know people just don't take you as seriously in the position that you hold despite um despite evidence that you have studied worked and proved yourself to be worthy of whatever position you're in um it's it's a hurdle not it's one that's very hard to personally overcome because it's not on you mm. and that was you know that's i think that's hard for anybody coming up where you where you suddenly have the realization that like the the difficulties that you're facing are not things that you can overcome on your own like i can't just work harder to make people not see me as less Right. It's not that's that's on them. It's not on me. And that's really frustrating. So, you know, that that's just that's, I think, the story of any minority and probably any job where it's not normal to see minorities in that position. (laughs) Definitely. You know, do you feel like like, I I, I feel like it's hard to kind of go through that and not develop a chip on your shoulder. But I don't see that with you. Like. How did you move past that and just continue to excel? Um, I don't, I mean, I think I credit my family, truly, and, like, where I grew up. I could turn around and thank the people that were mean to me when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> because I, I learned pretty Shout quickly. Shout out to all y'all broke-ass <laughs> motherfuckers right now not doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't. <laughs> You're not doing nothing <laughs> with yourself. No, I just, it's so, it's, it's, 
I don't know. I'm I'm constantly evolving my own understanding of who I am as a person, and all I can ever ask like, of other people is that they they try and seek that sort of introspection for themselves because it's taken a lot for me to be the person that my mom told me to be, which was the bigger person. Right. But I had to do that from a really young age, mm. and as I I think I mentioned before, like Indians have this like we're one of the minority groups that if you're I mean I, this is where I think like the stratification of of racial understanding is also really based on economic advantage. Right. Um, if you're in the privileged position of being the child of a doctor, um, which I was, like I grew up with a ton of privilege, right. right? And so like I was able to go to school abroad and like do all this stuff and like my parents never, they were like, just remember that like you have a lot that a lot of other people don't have. So I think the you know, long answer for like a short point is that the key is to remember that you have to develop empathy. Um, my parents taught me to develop empathy very early on mm. to even for people who were unkind to me to under to make the instead of being angry right away to make the effort to understand that they probably don't understand my situation in life. And I probably don't understand theirs. So what can you do? You can't. What do you? What? What could I do? Could I? I could have. I could have been mean. I could have verbally eviscerated them at any given point. But like, what would I have achieved? Nothing. It's. It was far more. It was far more productive for me to be a good example of a human being, mm. um, to show that I could rise above things and like, that we weren't. My family wasn't so scary after all. Right. In the place that I grew up. And as I went through life, I know that. Part, you know, I've in hindsight, I've realized that a lot of what my mom taught me was survival technique. Right. You know, like it's a defense mechanism to make yourself as approachable as possible when you are a minority. I always went to school in in all the schools that I went to, my undergrad, my graduate school, every program that I did in between. I was always like one of the only ones that looked like me. I was very, very used to that position. Mm. But my mom taught me that it's my role to make other people comfortable around me. I have different feelings on that now. I wish that it weren't like my job to make other people feel comfortable around me because I'm different. Yeah, but it is, yeah. But you know what? It did really make me into a better service professional. I think that I, I'm proud of the fact that no matter how people initially react to me, I will work really hard to make you comfortable around me. Now, outside of my job, which is my job is to make other people comfortable. Right. I'm okay with that. Political implications and racial implications aside, mm -hmm. I'm okay with the fact that it is my job to make you as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. Not me. It's not about my feelings right. or my taste or my preferences. It's about yours. Tonight. I'm fine with that. Now, in hindsight and as an adult, I can look back and be like, yeah, I don't feel like that in yeah. real life <laughs> right. about like my interactions with any person who just says something to me on the street. I formerly I've been extremely accommodating and like non-confrontational. Mm -hmm. I'm now coming to a point where I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to have this calm conversation with you, but I'm going to have this conversation with you. Right, right. Not on a restaurant floor. <laughs> it's not where it belongs. <laughs> you be pacing and waiting for my outside with shit <laughs> Yeah. Like, yo, fam, let me holler yeah. at you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Big like, man, big man, let me holler at <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> What's it? What can I... 
Like, yeah, catch no. me outside for a calm, measured conversation on race. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I just think right. that everybody has to extend more empathy to people that don't understand them. Right. If I can do it, having been the direct recipient of racism my entire life, mm. everybody else can too. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whatever. tone your anger down and st- stop othering people right away because you, you might not agree with everything that they say. And recognize that there's humanity behind every single person that says something stupid to you. <laughs> there just wow, is. That's real. Say, recognize it, and yeah. maybe come 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 at the conversation from where people are. I feel like so much of it, and you know, just from the uh, from what I've received coming up, like so much of it comes from people not even. It's like racial ignorance, not necessarily racism. Exactly. You know. Um, you see that so much, but I mean, fuck, yo. It, it just well, it's gets exhausting. annoying. Yes. You feel like at exhausting. this point you should have grown out of that by now. Definitely. Like you've had patience for so many years and like, of course, I'm, I understand that like I'm the first non-white person you've ever known. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I understand that there's a lot that I have to explain about my, I'm fine with all of it. Yeah. But now at a time when everybody has all information available to them at all times, it becomes harder to draw the line of uh, what's willful ignorance, what's your cultural ignorance, mm-hmm. and like what is you, just actually you being racist. Right. Oh yeah, because there's definitely some strong racism. It's a out yeah. There. It's a it's har- yeah. it's harder to be understanding when everybody has all information in front of them all the time. Very true. I mean, have you ever felt like, and this is definitely an idea that was in my mind a lot, and totally, you know, the more I learned about wine, the more I realized it did. I didn't need to approach things that way. But I always kind of felt like because I was not around a ton of black people in my career or other people that looked like me, um, I had the responsibility to be the representative for all people that looked like me in this space. And that adds a different amount of pressure. Like, have you ever felt like that? Yes, but it's sort of different for Indians because, like, I would feel I'd feel a different part, which is that, like, I would be very defensive against it. Indians. Will look at you and be like, "But are you still going to med school?" So, like, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it was like slightly different, right? <laughs> yeah. So yes, but in a different way, right? right? Like, I didn't feel like I had. I'm not like I have to be the representative for all future Indian sommeliers because, like, I don't know how many. <laughs> Like, Indian sommeliers, like, are out there, like, wanted to I'm blazing the trail I hope, here! I hope that there are more. I hope that it becomes easier for people to make that decision. But, no, my, my feeling with that was more, like, oh, I really have to, like, I have to prove to, like, everybody, include, including people that look like me, right. why I'm here, which is tough. Yeah. Um... No, I, I know what you're saying, though. Because yeah, I, I, I always have... felt like, damn, I want to fuck it up for the next guy. I... <laughs> <laughs> like, there's going to be another black dude from the warehouse that comes in and be like, I don't know about no. him. <laughs> he fucked somebody up at the club last time. Like, that's, <laughs> we're not going to hire any more Jermaine's. Oh, oh my God, uh, that's <laughs> So those that pressure was, was on. No, but I always No, I want to find some other Indian ladies to, like, pull into this. Be like, no, take my hand. It's okay. You don't have to be a doctor. <laughs> right. It's okay. Like, oh, fuck med school. That shit's I, not going to work out. I mean, but also if you're a really good person, maybe also be a doctor. Like, we need some of yeah. those, too. <laughs> but you don't have to. Yes. No, um, nah, that was something, like, yo, I, I, the, um, the diversity talk that we have really was life-changing for me, man. I felt bonded to everyone on the stage because yeah. it was like we all went through the same thing but just in a different dialect. Really almost. different It was ways. crazy. Yeah. 
Um, so it was dope. I'm glad we connected. There's going to be much more of this not recorded, recorded, live, performed, whatever. You know, this yes. is how it's going. But this has been an amazing episode of Wine and Hip Hop. I think we won with our pairing. Uh, this is one of the stronger parents. T- I'm happy you know what? It. I want to put this out there because we need to publicly shame him. Yeah, I'm Jingle. looking at I'm looking at you, capital T. Why? Terrence gave me shit about this pick today. Terrence didn't want me to get. Terrence didn't want this to happen. You know what? It's an old world. Terrence didn't think I was edgy. Uh, what, what happened? It's <laughs> an old, old world style versus new world style of, of hip hop music when it comes to me. So like with the new, with YBN Corday, like he kind of grew into me because he, he 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 does sound like the older stuff that I'm used to, which is fine. But I gotta listen to the whole catalog before I jump on the bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? So good job, Jermaine. The reality is he listened to more than four lines. Um, so not so he thinks it's hot now. <laughs> we played four lines like no, this shit is whack. <laughs> I want to put now. I'm like yo, dude, let it play for more than thirty seconds. That's ex- tell me. He's laughing because that's exactly how it went. He was like, nope. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So I'm glad that this worked out. Me you too. Uh, <laughs> I want to know. Yes. At the end of this, mm-hmm. do I have my nicknames yet? Oh shit! <laughs> oh yeah, man. You gotta come up with. Didn't you? I, I gotta pull up what she's. We might. Did we work on something? No, you didn't give her a new nickname. Okay. All right. I think I got it. I think. I think I'm. I want you to go first. So which you is, I mean, I don't have any, but I'm gonna read something so you can. <laughs> I just want my intro to be as cool as yours. Nah, I, I, think, I feel like as long as we add YBN in front of your name, <laughs> you pop it. Yeah, but now I feel like I don't belong to that crew, and like nah, I'm just latching but this on. Is and this like, is what's good now. And like, this, I, yeah. this, is, this is what it is, you know? Jermaine, I'm all about authenticity. What? All right, so we're going to switch it up. It's not YBN, it's CRU. And you're the first CRU, Sarah. You're the first. She's a part so of the Grand Crew? you a part of... Oh, shit. There we go. You're part of the Grand Crew now. I love you know? it. So we got CRU Terrence right here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he wore that one real quick. Right. <laughs> real quick. You know, we got CRU Tom. We got CRU Sarah. Um, we got to come up with, like, two more, though. We need two more. Well, she has a uh, bio chief imaginator. Oh. oh, yeah, that is actually my title. For, yo, that's one of the hardest titles ever. <laughs> chief imaginator. That's one of the hardest. T- oh, shit. We, look, hold up. We got to redo this whole she, thing. She we got oh, to scrap the whole show and re-record this. We got to do the intro over. Chief imaginator. Imaginator in chief. I like that one, too. Um, we're gonna we're, we're gonna get this going. I'm excited to put your playlist together. I'm so excited to hear yeah. it. We've been we've been pretty good about creating playlists for every episode now, and it's just happened like naturally, just yeah. because like you know we chill, we talk. Um, but I think this playlist, cause like I ain't gonna front. Like I also you know being um, once you introduced me to the sweatshop boys, I'm like yo, I gotta switch my shit up. I'm missing a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
You know, I'm I'm missing a lot of stuff, and it's really because I keep going right back into my bag. I'm 96, 97, you know. Everybody does that. Like, and, you know, you really opened up a completely different side of shit, and people are, like, constantly throwing stuff at me, and I'm not paying attention, and I'm realizing that I'm missing some... some I I will clarify, Joe Thomas opened up Sweat Boy Chef Boys for you. That was not me. I won't, I won't take that credit. Yo, Joe, <laughs> you the man in my book, man. <laughs> you are the man in my book. Well, you gotta bring him next time also. Absolutely. Um, he's old enough to drink, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, actually, on my, he, we like faked, we used to pretend that we were twins, and like nobody ever questioned it. He's four years younger than me. Like on my 21st birthday, he came to the bar with me. Of and course he, he did. was just like, "Oh, I'm his twin. I'm her twin." And everyone was like, "You only yeah, need sure. to see one ID, right?" <laughs> it works. <laughs> Yo, that's, <laughs> that's the crazy thing. You gotta love that. You gotta love <laughs> America, baby. I tell you. <laughs> well, do you want to leave the people with anything? Where Where can everyone find you? Um, you can find uh, Kalamata's Kitchen on yes. at kalamataskitchen.com. Mm. Um, we have our restaurant guides, our products, everything available there. Um, the books, uh, the, the products are available on the website. The books are um, available on Amazon as well, um, but the products aren't. And um, me personally, I'm on Instagram mm. at ESS underscore Thomas because... Sarah Thomas is a tough name to <laughs> find a unique What's handle ESS? for. ESS? What is that about? My friends used to call me S. Thomas. Oh, looks like we got the AKA. That was it. It was just S. Thomas. And like literally S. Thomas was right. taken. So I was like, well, yeah. I'll just go phonetic here. Like She's just putting her genius out on display here, guys. <laughs> you're good at puzzles, aren't you? That's some puzzle shit. I, was scared, like, I right. bet you your like, password on Instagram is some crazy shit. Like It's, it's like probably like the code to the nukes or something yeah like that. if my fiance were here he would be laughing so hard because it's just so the opposite of true like one two three four five six seven hey, hey, now me. she's gonna you have just, to change it can you just dox me <laughs> but thank you for coming i'm really excited about kalamata's kitchen thank you this is something that i am looking forward to reading to my daughter i'm glad that this exists um, I'm hoping that we have much more of it, you know. I'm available for voiceovers whenever we want to put this into a live action. Um, oh, well, there we go. Listen, Al Dente. I mean, I'm, not I'm not saying, but I'm promises, saying. But... I'm not saying, but I'm saying. I just see a lot of you AKA in him. AKA Young Al Dente. We just got a new AKA. <laughs> this is your boy signing out. Jermaine, Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos, a.k.a. Young Al Dente. I'm just out here chefing shit up. (laughs) (laughs) This is another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Thank you for joining us. Thank Thank you you. for everything. Thank you for your patience. No, Um, (laughs) this has been a delight. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. Cheers. This concludes another moment in Wine and Hip Hop.